Welcome, welcome to episode two of the yeah. Foreign Saints podcast, um, which, funnily enough, was sparked by Facebook sponsored ad. Yeah. Um, but hey, if you're listening to this episode, hopefully you listen to episode one. Um, it's kind of foundational, talking about the gospel and what we're about here. Um, you may or may not hear the goos and coos of Amari in the background. He's <laughs> on the floor on his mat. Um, just because, I mean, I, I don't think he's that big an interruption. So yeah. he'll be all right. Um, but Meredith. Yeah. So the other day I was scrolling through Facebook and stumbled upon the sponsored ad for the We the People Bible. And um, I was curious, so I clicked on it, you know, because that's what the algorithm likes to do. They like to throw stuff at you, see what, you know, sparks your interest. Um, I think especially because we start, we were talking about starting this podcast and I was like, there's no way. Like, what did they, what in the world is a We the People Bible? Yeah, what does that even mean? <laughs> what is what is a We the People Bible? And uh, opened it up and it's just... I wasn't surprised, but I'm not going to lie and say I wasn't shocked. You know, like it's, it's kind of insane. So the We the People Bible for the Uninitiated is a King James version of the Bible. Red Lighter Bible has um, on the cover an upside down flag to demonstrate that America is in distress, according to their website. Was that what that means? Yes. I thought it was just for having a flag. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, OK. Yeah, it says on their website. Um Oh, that's the wrong tab. But essentially it's saying that it's because they're not following the Lord um, or we're not following the Lord as as Americans. And um, they have a copy of the Bill of Rights, the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence on the inside covers like to surround this Bible. Oh, OK, I see. So like some in the front cover and some, some in the back. In the back. So right. The Bible is like enshrined <laughs> okay. with American all right. foundational documents to kind yeah. of remind us that this is what we ought to be rooted in right and keep in mind what we said what i said at the top of this program in the opening stinger we will be getting into the mark of the beast on this this is <laughs> this is this is actually pretty relevant but uh before we do that uh, we're going to spend the first uh third or so of this podcast um just going into you know just give it an overview of some other versions of the bible um that we believe kind of fall into the same lineage and legacy Mm -hmm. of the we the people bible although i think they're more egregious forms of Mm -hmm. the same thing right because i don't i don't see a reason to include any of america's founding documents within the bindings of a bible i don't see a reason for those mugs to be like wall art in a church i just I, i don't I don't see reason for it. And I would actually, we would actually make the case that there's like scriptural mandate that you really shouldn't Shouldn't, do that. Um, But like I said, let's start slow. You know what I'm saying? Like we can't water hose this. We got to go slow, right? So some other versions of the Bible that we wanted to talk about in this segment are the slave Bible. You may have heard of it. Mm -hmm. And a Bible that is not here yet, but is in the works, mm-hmm. uh, the communist version of the Bible. Um, and so to start off, we're going to talk about the the slave Bible. Um, it's one of those that's been, you know, it's one of those that's heard about, especially like amongst in like African-American circles. Um, and it's actually one of those things that, you know, a lot of people know of, not a lot of people know mm-hmm. about. 
Yeah. Um, it was know, a thing that exists, but isn't really taught. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. like I have conversations with, you know, with uh, African-Americans that aren't Christian sometimes, or even those that are, and it can be a sticking point for us that, you know, we believe this or we're told to believe, um, you know, these Christian doctrines and, you know, Christianity was, you know, foisted and kind of, and it it's told to us kind of foisted upon us um by the by the kidnapping slavers right um why would i believe in a religion in the religion of mm. our oppressors why would we do that right mm. and that's like that's not a question that you can shirk you know like i like i think sometimes people on the right sometimes blow that off not all mm-hmm. the time, but sometimes blow it off as though that's just a distraction issue. It doesn't change the fact that Jesus rose. And and it doesn't for sure, but it does change the, the status of the ears of the person that you're talking to. Right. Like, like this is one of those that if the person's really bringing it up and you can see it's like, like you, you have to give this more than just the, you can't be dismissive about this sort of a question. Um, but one of, and one of the things you could tell them is that well the Christianity that was told to a lot of the slaves wasn't the Christianity that you know of today, mm-hmm. right? So I mean just some things that I have written down here. Um, this is information that I've uh, gleaned from a guy named Anthony Schmidt, um, who's the associate curator um, of like Bible and Religion uh, Museum. I got his stuff off an article from NPR. Um, the entire title of the slave Bible. Slave Bible is the nickname. Mm-hmm. The full name of the slave Bible is, quote, parts of the Holy Bible. Mm-hmm. Parts of the Holy Bible selected for the use of the Negro slaves in the British West India Islands, published in 1807. So that title on its own should tell you this ain't Christianity. Yeah. This is parts of the Bible that are selected for the use of the Negro slaves, for keeping them in line, so to speak. So this yeah. isn't even Christianity. It's a butchered version. And then you might ask, okay, well, how butchered? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> Very. Let me tell you. It's more butchered than I thought. I always told people it was yeah. a butchered form of Christianity. I did not realize how much. Yeah. 90% of the Old Testament is missing. Yeah. 90% of it. And that's the Testament that people don't like. Right. That's the one that, like, actually people mentions... Think- that's the one that they think actually advocates slavery. If yeah. the Old Testament advocated slavery, my friends, <laughs> why would people that want to push slavery have to remove nine-tenths of the thing? Right. Yeah, and also it's one of those, like we were talking the other night about this, The if they had to remove 90% of the Old Testament, what does that say to the modern church that thinks that the Old Testament's boring and not important to the gospel? Yeah, yeah, just, just like two I, or three generations right. ago had to... <laughs> remove almost the whole old testament that, but yeah yeah like the because people I'm today healthily lived generations that's, okay that's fair i guess but um no it's because i i've met people that are like oh no i only need you know the first four of the new testament man i just need the gospel i'm like i mean yeah yeah in order to be saved you just need the gospel yes but why do you think we have the whole canon of scripture you know it all is the gospel among things that were taken out of the Old Testament, one of the big ones includes kind of Exodus. Yeah, just all of it. Just, just yeah, <laughs> just, Exodus. just Exodus. You know, like, <laughs> could you imagine slavers, slavers, kidnappers, and slavers 
preaching anything out of the book of Exodus. No. You know, the book about God liberating, <laughs> liberating slaves. Slaves. Saying that I personally have redeemed. You don't think maybe that might have been a point of contention amongst <laughs> the people? You don't think maybe the commands in the Old Testament that say, hey, if a runaway slave comes to your door, you have to harbor him. Yeah. You don't get a choice in the matter. Yeah. God's word states if a runaway slave on your door, you have to let him in and give you're not supposed to return him back because God's logic in the Old Testament is there's a reason that slave is running away. Don't send him back to what he's running from. Yeah. Right? Well, that can't stay. <laughs> right? Among so many other things, right? Jeremiah's a mm -hmm. rebuke to the Israelites for going back to practicing slavery when they themselves were slaves. Well, that can't stay. What about the New Testament? Well, 50% of the New Testament is missing. Half of it is gone. Mm -hmm. So we have one-tenth of the Old Testament remaining and one-half of the New Testament remaining. That is not a Bible. Yeah. Is... I saw something. It was like they... Um... The Museum of the Bible, I think it was, I read earlier that um, it's parts of, it's not the, you know, 66 books or just snippets of 66 books. It's literally parts of 14 books of the Bible. Yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. Yeah. Pretty wild. Um, we've got here on Meredith's laptop here uh, from the Museum of the Bible website, um, information on their slave Bible exhibit. Meredith, if you read some of that. Yeah. Um, at the top there. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of similar to what you were just saying. The slave Bible, as it would become known, is a missionary book. It was originally, so they don't even claim it to be the Bible as a missionary book. It was right. originally published in London, 1807, on behalf of the Society for the Conversion of Negro Slaves, an organization dedicated to improving the lives of enslaved Americans toiling in Britain's lucrative Caribbean colonies. Now, here's the thing, right? That sounds... Like a very Christian cause. And if you did it right, it probably would be, right? Improving the lives, which would probably include, well, maybe they should be freed, right? Yeah. You would think that. You would think that. Keep it going. <laughs> they used the slave Bible to teach enslaved Africans how to read while at the same time introducing them to the Christian faith. Unlike other missionary Bibles, however, the slave Bible contained only select parts of the biblical text. Its publishers deliberately removed portions of the biblical text, such as the Exodus story, that could inspire hope for liberation. Instead, the publishers emphasized portions that justified and fortified the system of slavery that was so vital to the British Empire. Now, see, here's, here's the rub here, right? There is no part of the Bible. Even if you take the parts that talk about slavery... Those parts of the Bible that talk about slavery do not actually prop up the British Empire's system of slavery, right? Like they, they, they just, they just don't. And maybe we can have another episode talking about that, right? Yeah. But our point in bringing this up is some, in a way, it's twofold, right? One, what they said, right? There were a bunch of missionary translations of the Bibles available at that time, and this one was unique in the sense that it was the only one that actually took parts of it out, right? What does this mean? It means that this slave Bible was a weird version of Christianity, even for its time. Yeah. Like, of the Christians that actually wanted to take the gospel to these new colonies and actually, you know, treat these slaves as people, because if you're aiming for their salvation, you believe in their personhood. 
objects don't get salvation. People do. So if that's your goal, you believe they're people and you believe they should have rights, right? This is an aberration to that. Missionaries at the time would not co-sign the slave Bible for the most part, right? So what was this for? What was this for? It's for the nation, fam. Mm-hmm. It was for inc- it was for making the people, the slaves, docile to their condition. Mm-hmm. Is what it's for, right? Like a verse like Galatians three twenty eight, not in there. Yeah. You know, not in there, because that's affirming the personhood of the slave. We can't have that, right? So here we have an example of a Bible that has been edited and butchered severely mm-hmm. for the purposes of the nation that it's in. Mm-hmm. Like, which kingdom is this furthering? It's not furthering the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of Jesus Christ. It's furthering the empire of Britain at the time. Yeah. That's, what this is, that's what this was for. But for those Christians that may have owned slaves at the time, I don't think they would have seen a problem with this. Mm. You? Yeah. I don't yeah. think they would have. Yeah. You know, here's, here's what they would have said too, right? They would have said, well... It's for their conversion. The gospel's I'm, still in there. It's a good thing. I'm teaching them how to read. You know? Yeah. Teaching them how to read. There's some good morals left over in this version, you know? Mm-hmm. You know? But we can... This was a pretty obvious example, yeah. right? We can, And we, we might have another episode delving deeper into the history of this thing. But yeah. we're here for a different purpose today, <laughs> right? So just understand that the slave Bible is not Christianity. Right. All right? There's 1,189 chapters in your usual Protestant Bible, Genesis to Revelation. The slave Bible contains 232 of those chapters. This is not a Bible. Right. This is barely an excerpt <laughs> of a Bible. Okay? Right. So, you know, yeah. cursory overview for those of you that didn't know, your soul can be settled, right? Any slave that was taught this, they were not being taught legit Christianity. Yeah. So I think it's kind of a miracle that the Holy Spirit was able to do anything yeah. in those situations anyway, right? Yeah. I'm uh, moving on <laughs> to a version of the Bible that is a bit more recent. It's not done yet. It's still being manufactured. Mm-hmm. The Communist Bible. The Chinese Communist Party has plans to write their own version of the Bible to be taught as the Bible yeah. in China. Which I think is an interesting response to the underground church in China just exploding in recent years. You know, in their mind as the government is like, well, if I can't contain them, maybe I can just kind of modify it and kind of deceive them that they're, you know, we support this movement. Right. And I should just let you all know that's that's the enemy. Yeah. Right, demonstrably evil. <laughs> like, like the enemy is behind these alterations of Christianity, right? Yeah. If he can't get you to jump off the cross completely, he's going to sell you a modified version of a cross. Yeah. You know, here's a cross. Well, this one's not as rugged as the original version. There's not as many splinters in the wood. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I don't have to have all my limbs nailed to it. Mm-hmm. I think I'll take that one instead. Mm-hmm. You know, it looks like it, but yeah. it's not it. Right. Yeah. So we have an excerpt here um, from John eight, John chapter eight, verses seven through 11. Let me just read it out of the ESV to remind us what it actually (laughs) says. And and, And anyone that's read 
somewhat read of the Bible, you'll you'll know this story. This yeah. isn't like a gotcha, all right? Um, John chapter 8, verses 7 through 11 in the ESV. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Mm-hmm. Don't forget that last line, as we like to in retelling yeah. the story. But here yeah. <laughs> is this story yeah. in the communist version. In the communist Bible, those same verses, Jesus once said to the angry crowd who was trying to stone a woman who had sinned, He who is without sin among you, let him cast a stone at her. When his words came to their ears, they stopped moving forward. When everyone went out, Jesus stoned the woman himself and said, I am also a sinner. Now, I would imagine that it's created some sort of a stomach flip within (laughs) those that are his. Mm -hmm. Right? Foreigners out there, let your nausea be known at hearing this version of the Bible. Right? But why is this version of the Bible even being written, you might ask? You know, Meredith, thoughts? Like I said at the front, it's, you know, to kind of manipulate a huge movement in the nation of China right now. Yeah. You know, to be able to kind of stop it in its tracks from and keeping it from, you know, taking over the beast. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so they're going. Oh, no, don't give it away. Okay. Don't give it okay. away now. We we don't get there. We don't, we don't get there. Right. <laughs> We, we don't don't give it away yet. Yeah. All right. Retention. All right. Like, <laughs> don't give it away yet. Okay. All right. Excerpt from a Voice of the Martyrs magazine. Um, in late 2019, the Chinese Communist Party announced plans to update the Bible to keep pace with the times. That is code for the underground church is doing freaking amazing. Yeah. Salvations <laughs> left, right, and center, despite our totalitarian regime and we got to do something about this yeah we can't kill them all so let's poison the well that they drank from yep poison the living water source itself yep yeah or at least attempt to yeah the revisions will include adding quote core socialist values whatever that means Mm -hmm. and removing passages that do not reflect communist belief the new bible version will also be annotated with passages from confucian taoist and buddhist classics It'll take some years to complete, but what we just read is an excerpt out of what they've got so far. It's in one of their textbooks. Yeah. It's in one of their uh, one of their school textbooks, high school level, I think. Mm-hmm. All right. Consider the similarities between this and the slave Bible. All right. What were they both written to? What were they both doing? They removed parts of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Right. And some of y'all that might know of the We the People Bible may be like, well, the We the People Bible isn't removing anything. Not changing it. Truth, it is not, and we will get to that. Yeah. All right. I just want you to note the similarities here so far. All right. Bibles that have been altered, their presentation has been altered for the betterment of the nation that is altering them. Mm-hmm. Not for the betterment of the gospel, right? Because the canon is already perfect. 
Like God's preserved it through time. It's, it's the canon is enough for the kingdom of Christ. Yeah. It might be too much for your earthly kingdom down here, though. It very well may be. Maybe. Yeah. Which brings us to the We the People <laughs> Bible. To the We the People Bible, right? We've got it. We've got the website mm-hmm. for it uh, pulled up. Uh, Meredith on her laptop, me on my uh, on my cell phone here. We the People Bible dot com. All right. So uh, if if we if we could each kind of come to the home page of the mm-hmm. We the People Bible here, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You definitely got you got the big big page big here. Yeah. All right. So, um, what, what's it say here on the front page? We are proud to introduce the We the People Bible. This King James Bible is ideal for the patriots who believe it is time to give America back to God and features copies of America's founding documents. Okay, so this is what we're met with, right? On my screen, I, I see the bar up top, you know, We the People in that classic font. Mm-hmm. You know, and we get this introduction, right? It tells mm-hmm. us why it exists. Why does this exist? Well, let me ask you a question first. In a vacuum, if I were to ask you, what does a Bible exist for? To save the lost. To save the lost, to introduce people to mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, to produce holiness in the people. I mean, mm-hmm. all, all of these mm-hmm. and, and more like are acceptable answers to this question. All right. Does the Bible exist to give America back to God? Mm-hmm. Like, is that what it exists for? Is that its aim? Mm-hmm. If you exegete the passages properly, is that what will happen? Or is it perhaps more accurate to say that some people in America will be saved out of America? Mm-hmm. Which one is a bit more accurate to how this works? Especially considering what we were talking about in our first episode, mm-hmm. right? How Paul was congratulating the Gentile churches for suffering the rejection of their fellow countrymen. like the Jewish churches before them. This is not that. Yeah. And I think, too, you know, when you read texts about how we're called to make disciples of all nations, right? It's talking about the people in those nations, not the nations themselves. Like the call isn't to make America Christian. The, The call isn't to make Japan, China, Nepal, any of these countries Christian. The call is to make disciples in those nations. Right. You know, we're not called to make a Christian nation anywhere in scripture. Right. You know, we're not. a nation yeah. is a collection of people. Yeah. Right. If you focus on the people, it's very possible you might get the nation. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's not possible to convert right. a nation. I'm just saying your focus would be on the people in it. Yeah. Yeah. Not on the nation, like you're focusing on weird stuff when you focus on the nation. Mm-hmm. What does the nation do pass laws? I'm after people. Mm-hmm. I'm after people, my dude. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> There's a difference, right? Continuing down this website, <clears throat> you know, I mean, it's 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 going to market its merch. You know what I'm saying? The, you know, the Patriot Bundle, the Liberty Bundle, and the Save America Bundle. You know, you, you, got, you got your challenge coins and your bookmarks and all that stuff right now. Am I saying it's a sin to purchase this Bible? I mean, that's not what I'm saying. All right. This is the only Bible you can get your hands on. It seems like it at least has a faithful King James Version inside of it. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I don't see why you wouldn't go for a new King James Version since the new King James Version updates some of the translation errors in the original King James Version. Not me dogging on the King James Version. King James <laughs> translators were beasts to translate the Bible with the resources available yeah. to them at the time. But it's not a perfect translation. And I think the translators of the King James Version were probably humble enough to know that much. Yeah. They'd probably be happy that a new King James Version exists to mm-hmm. update and, you know, up- mm-hmm. update their work. I don't, I don't think that's that's an issue here, right? But, you know, we, we come on down. And by the <laughs> way, I just say the stuff on this website seems pretty expensive for what it is. Yeah. Like, why would, why would you pay? And also look at the price tag at um, and the In God We Trust Challenge Coin. Yeah, Guess true. what the price oh tag is. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even see that. <laughs> Are you serious? It is 17 76. The price of the of the In God We Trust <laughs> is $17.76. Can I just say? <laughs> Very clever marketing. Hey, clever marketing. Hey, I, I see y'all. That's pretty clean, right? But anyway, we come down to the bottom here. Yeah. Right. And we get, let's see here, Donald, Donald Trump, Trump Jr., Jr. executive <laughs> vice president of the Trump organization. Mm-hmm. Quote Faith is being targeted. And our country's founding beliefs are being targeted. The We the People Bible is restoring what there is an attempt to remove. Preservation of faith, preservation of America, Donald Trump Jr. Okay, so we now have here an exact statement of what the We the People Bible is for. It is for restoring what there is an attempt to remove. And that would be the faith and the faith of our good old country. We kill built like like millions of babies a year, dog. Yeah. What faith? Mm-hmm. All right. We're pushing an LGBTQ plus agenda and have been for years. Mm-hmm. And even the party of supposed holiness mm-hmm. is accepting that encroachment. Where's the faith? It's just, it's almost as if people talk as if America is the church. You know, well, I mean, you know? there's, like, no, um, it's, there's no almost about it. Look at yeah. the last sentence preservation mm-hmm. of faith, preservation of America. Mm-hmm. He ties yeah. the two. Yeah, that's why KB says, like, they all kind of become the same song, you know? And the preservation like, of faith, the Christian mm-hmm. faith, is the preservation of America. And backwards, the preservation yeah. of America is the preservation of the Christian faith, almost as if the Christian faith won't be able to survive but outside the yeah. environment of America, which is just biblically. Untrue. Untrue, man. Continuing down the page, it says, the way the people Bible was designed with the patriot in mind, Mm -hmm. not the Christian in mind, Mm -hmm. with the patriot in mind. Yeah, this is the part about the flag. And features a vertical reversed American flag design that represents a country in distress. Mm. Our Bible is proudly made in the USA because we can't buy a Bible that's made by a solid Christian not in the USA. Mm-hmm. We can't buy a Bible from, let's say, the Chinese man who faithfully translates and prints the Bible and was thrown in prison for his work. Right. Can't buy a Bible from that guy. Right. And as long as we're talking about it, I guess you probably shouldn't buy any of these since these are based on translations from foreigners <laughs> years <laughs> ago in a language that's not English. That should probably, I, I guess, uh, might might be an issue here. Um, our Bible is probably made in the USA and has been designed with large print that delivers an easy reading experience to anyone looking to explore the tried and true King James translation. 
Okay, I appreciate the large print, the tried and true King James version. That's, that's eh, a little uh, that, that's, off-putting. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a bit weird. What about the new King James? Again, I eh, touched on that. Every We the People Bible also includes easy-to-read copies of America's founding documents, including the United States Constitution, Declaration of Independence, Bill of Rights, and the Pledge of Allegiance, because you can't get that on your phone by simply Googling, apparently. <laughs> we the People Bible, Single Bible, $69.99. Family Bundle, $177 is not an endorsement. I'm saying you can get three Bibles for way less than $177. You can get, you can get a $5 Bible. You can get it for a dollar. You can get it for free. On download, your phone. Download an app, bro. You don't need to pay $177. Download the app, pay $17.76 for a coin to <laughs> that is weird. Yeah, that is weird. That is really weird energy, right? But yeah, all that to say, like, this is a Bible that, sure, it's not taking anything away, but it's in the same spirit and attitude of these other two Bibles that we've mentioned so far, yeah? yeah. Like, this isn't here to, this isn't, this wasn't made with the intention of moving your holiness forward. Right. This was made with the intention of backing a political agenda, yeah. not a faith agenda, not a kingdom agenda. Yeah. Right. Like, it's, it's just not, right? And so, that brings us, interestingly enough, to our discussion on what the mark of the beast actually is, yeah. according to scripture. And the Trump train of decay that the church has been writing, or a segment of the church has been writing on in America for these last couple of years, right? Don't worry, it'll all tie itself together. But <laughs> for now, for now, enjoy this intermission and we will be right back with a fun little discussion. <laughs> uh, oh boy, we're really doing this. We'll be back. <laughs> so for our intermission today, here's just a quick word of encouragement for the saints that are pushing through in, in obedience and working through the purification by fire process out of 1 Peter 1. Since you have been born again, not of a perishable seed, but of an imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God, for all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this is the good news that was preached to you. So just keep pushing, keep keep striving for, for holiness and all that you do, because we know that you will not perish in him. Welcome back to the show. Um, talked about the Slave Bible and some other really bad Bibles in the first half. And as promised, we're going to give a fast exegesis <laughs> of rapid the Mark fire. of the Beast. Rapid yeah, fire. I don't know about rapid fire. I just don't think it takes like Way 30 million. I don't think it takes 30 million years to figure it out. Mm -hmm. um, if you've got, really, if, I mean, there's more passages that you could bring in, but all you really need is Daniel 7 mm -hmm. and Revelation 13. Both books we don't touch that much. Definitely. Definitely. Or if we do in really weird ways. Yeah. You know? They're very sensationalized. Very sensationalized. They're just taking and just taking them to context. But we'll see yeah. how they're taken out of context, right? Um but fun fact, uh Meredith, myself, and a couple friends of ours actually did a Bible study in Revelation not too long ago 
Um, and I didn't really grow up in church culture like that, so to me it was closer to being just another book. But um, as I kind of had to learn in teaching it, there's a lot of uh, preconceived notions and a lot of mm -hmm. baggage coming into this text that, I mean, I, I could teach through it. I just wasn't, I was like, whoa. <laughs> the questions that you were prepared for yeah. weren't really, it's not that they weren't asked, it's just the, what we felt as more pressing questions. You were like, that's a question? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I, was like I don't particularly, I'm not terribly interested, you yeah. know? Like, I mean, this is going to sound like sacrilege to some people, but I don't read the book of Revelation with the biggest focus on the rapture or the mm. rapture really anywhere in my mind. I don't yeah. really feel like that's the book's focus. Or just reading it with the intention of figuring out your stance on like pre and post millennial and, you know, you actually read the text for the text and not to be able to pick a sign, you yeah. know, which I feel like is what a lot of like, you know, the Southern Bible Belt read Revelation for is to be able to pick a side. And that's... And that's what we do, you know? Like, not just theologically, but even politically. Like, we'll take a text like Revelation, or really just any text of the Bible that we don't really talk about that much or understand that much and just kind of read in a whole, like, political leaning to it. Like, I've, I've seen people take a certain verse in the 12th chapter of Revelation um, where it's talking about, you know, Israel kind of sort of you know, leaving on like eagle's wings or whatever, and people reading into the eagle's wings in that verse, <laughs> that must mean America, since our symbol is the eagle, <laughs> missing the fact that having an eagle be your symbol isn't exactly the most unique thing in right. human history. Yeah, not just that, but you know, America wasn't even a thought when Revelation was written, so like... I mean, yeah, like... I don't we, know. We do, we do weird Sus. things. We do weird things with the book. It is my contention... Um, that if you simply do your best to read Revelation like you would read another book of the Bible, i.e., what does it say? What is it saying to me? Like, you don't try and read in a theology. You don't try and find evidence of X or Y. You just read it. Yeah. And you get what you get, and the stuff that you don't get, you don't try and force yourself to get it you don't try and pretend to understand verses that you don't yet like it's it's perfectly fine and expected to move through books of the bible and not get everything on a first second third fourth fifth read mm. like that's that's not weird as mm. much as sometimes people think it's weird it's really it's like not you should that be able weird. to read it read it read the text once and get it you know? yeah like you're not like that's not gonna happen for yeah every book of the bible really for no book of the bible yeah for honestly. no book of the bible and that's just not how you meditate like you know? we're called to like meditate on his word that you know that means we're supposed to chew on it and like soak on it for a while not just read it once for your like 15 minute quiet time in the morning and then forget about it you know indeed and we mix our own nations into our understanding of the revelation way too much way too much um, but if you've actually understood what the book of the Revelation is saying, and there's a lot of stuff in there that you're probably not going to get. But one thing that if you have ears to hear what the book is saying, you will get this on a first read, right? This is pretty impossible to miss on a first read if you're being honest about the book, right? Mm -hmm. And that thing is the kingdom is coming. Mm -hmm. And it's going to take over 
and demolish every other earthly kingdom, including whichever one you happen to live in right now, whether that be America or somewhere abroad from our perspective. Right. Um, <clears throat> the kingdom's smashing it all down. And, and think, it's going to, you know, Jesus is going to set up his right. Yeah. And I think, too, like the opening words are blessed are those who read the words of this prophecy, you know? Like, it's not to be a doom and gloom, scare tactic type of book. Blessed are those who read it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So having this sensationalized perspective of Revelation as a book where it's like, oh my gosh, you get the heebie-jeebies when you open this book, man. You know, the demon locusts and rapture and blah, blah, you know? Like, no, you're blessed when you open the, the pages of this book and read it and chew on it and meditate on it. Doesn't mean you have to understand every word. Yeah. Like you said, first, second, third, anytime. <laughs> yeah, because the point that it's getting across to you isn't really lost. Mm -hmm. and all of the sensational bits again right. if you guys to see mm -hmm. but again we'll we'll get into that right like we'll start with um we'll start with daniel 7 yeah. like i said i'm not gonna read read this um we did a take where we did that didn't like it so <laughs> doing this differently um and also um it's probably good for y'all to crack open your bibles and actually fact check a teacher or two yeah right so you're not all knowing we're not, you know, <laughs> which is why I don't feel the pressure to read all of this to y'all, like y'all in kindergarten or something, right? <laughs> um, but if you start in Daniel 7, right, which is, you know, where Daniel has the vision of the four beasts that are pertinent to our conversation. Um, reading the first eight verses or so, uh, you see four different beasts described, right? Um, and then he describes them as coming up out of the sea. Put a pen on that detail that will be important later um because in the bible especially when you're talking about prophetic texts like the word pictures they're giving you are usually symbolic of stuff not actually um. not arguing that the bible is not inerrant i'm just saying it's probably you reading it wrong <laughs> um but you see four beasts um mentioned here the first one verse four like a lion with eagle's wings the second one in verse five like a bear um in verse six the third one another like a leopard and then verse seven a fourth beast terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong that had great iron teeth that devoured and broken pieces and stamped what was left with its feet it was different from all the beasts that were before it daniel feels the need to mention that this one's not like all the other ones I mean, they're all pretty terrifying, but that last one, that last one was something else. Yeah. Um, and for those of you in the know, most people that are, you know, a lot of people tend to know that these, uh, that these beasts are representative of nations, that the first three are representative of the nations that immediately followed, um, that immediately followed Babylon, and that this fourth one is the one at the end of the age. I mean... Maybe you actually didn't know about the fourth one. The fourth one is the one at the end of the age. Surprise. Um, and we'll show that and we'll show that in the text. Um, but before we get into that, before we get into that, um, just some fun stuff to mention here. Um, after you get through those first eight verses and seven, uh, you get this awesome stretch uh, from nine to f the end of 14. Um, that kind of ends with Daniel saying, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days, and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory, and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. 
tuck that verse in your head too. That'll be important later. Um, his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. Note the uniqueness of this, right? And his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. That's only true of the kingdom of this son of man, right? Which we know to be Jesus. Um, part of the reason that it's fun to bring that up is because if you're not well versed in the scriptures when you're reading the gospels and jesus calls himself the son of man you might think oh he's saying that he's fully human which is an important part for the incarnation i'm understanding deep things <laughs> yay me that's not what he's getting at he's right. saying that he is this son of man figure from daniel chapter 7 it's not a claim to humanity it's a right. claim to divinity right. but you are right he was also 100 percent man <laughs> yeah, yeah. you just it's just there's the, more to it <laughs> the, son of, the son of man is not the proof of that that's right. the proof of the opposite right. actually and it was on that charge where um where the pharisees finally were like we had enough of you do we need any more witnesses you yeah. hear his blasphemy like <laughs> he calls himself the son man? of man but it also says his dominion is everlasting and shall not pass away shall not be destroyed mm. right his yeah like his only right you all know what that doesn't include everybody else's america is not eternal it's not it is not eternal i'm not gonna act like a false prophet and you know date set and be like on this date or with this politician america's going down the drain mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just saying even the longest running nations have an expiration date right. that at the most is when the son of man comes back yeah right like you don't get you don't get brownie points for surviving quote-unquote surviving until the son of man comes back like yeah. that too is a grace of god to your nation to persist to the day that he comes back right like that's not that's not a work of the flesh that any nation could claim like oh snap we were righteous enough to make it to the day when god judges the world and shows us that we're not quite righteous what like there's no brownie points for that but sometimes right. we think that like oh we're not gonna be around when i mean most nations like mm -hmm. aren't what right. someone has to be sure but like you think that gets you points in heaven for that yeah. you think god judges on a nationalistic basis because when i read revelation it says every man will stand before him mm. and give an account for the deeds yeah. done in his body yeah. so what's the point What's the point of that being the being the focus here? Um, and then something else to something else to point out here, um, verse seventeen and eighteen. These four great beasts or four kings which will arise out of the earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But verse eighteen. But the saints of the Most High shall what, Meredith? Receive the kingdom and, and possess the kingdom forever, forever, and ever. Note that word, receive not take yeah it does not say the saints and the most high shall take the kingdom right recall the nonsense that happened at the capitol right people thinking that they could take a kingdom hmm. right well they weren't republican they were antifa shut up <laughs> i don't care where they aligned all right look at them that's not the attitude you want in you Right. I don't care if it's stamped with Antifa or Republican or Democrat on the outside, because at some level, all of us do this right. in our own different ways, right? Of thinking that we can, that we, of even thinking that we have a responsibility mm. to take a kingdom. Mm. 
Manifest Her, Destiny? Her Jesus. What? Yeah. Yeah. Manifest Destiny, bro. Like, like, yeah. For y'all that were taught that, you know, Manifest Destiny, right? Like, it's God's will that we stretch out to the Pacific Ocean. Who told you? Right. What, just because it happened? That means God wanted it to happen? Right. Read your Bible a bit more closely. How about, come on. The Trail of Tears was holy? Like, really? Is that our, is that our metric now? Yeah. You know, again, like, like, the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom. What kingdom is it talking about? Yeah. The kingdom that you came up in? No, it's talking about the kingdom of Christ mm. that he's going to set up. When Jesus takes a stand upon the earth and sets his kingdom up, his saints, his people will receive that. Right? You're not receiving the kingdom of America. You're not receiving, you know, the kingdom of whatever nation you're in. That's, that's not your inheritance as a saint. Your inheritance is Christ. Yeah. And all that's his and what's his is his kingdom. That's what's promised to you in the future. Right? But there's there's no promise of taking America back. That's not to say that that's not to say that revival can't spark in America. Mm-hmm. But you gotta understand what revival even is, dude. Right. Like revival is not a necessarily speaking, it's not a salvation of America. It's souls are being saved out of america but still happen to live in america yeah. right it's an invasion of this foreign kingdom to come in the future into our present time that's what it is it's not an extension of whatever kingdom the revival happens in it's, a, it's an extension of jesus's kingdom on this earth dog yeah you gotta understand that because some of y'all been praying for revival forever and ain't seen nothing because god knows what you're actually ordering right so you don't even know what, what it is that you're ordering. Yeah. Like, come on, man. Come on. <clears throat> Why yeah. do you think Jesus says the meek shall inherit the earth? Yeah. That's not that's not something he came up with. This is in the Old Testament. Yeah. The saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom. Those that submit themselves to the God of Israel will receive the kingdom of the God of Israel. Right? And what does that look like? Yeah. Well, we'll show you. Because Daniel, like the rest of us in verse 19, says, Then I desired to know the truth about the fourth beast, <laughs> which was different from all the rest. Seems like it's just kind of human nature. Like, yeah. I don't care about the next three, but what about that fourth one? What about one? that one? What about that, that one? one? <laughs> what is that one about? Man. Verse 21, I looked, as I looked, this horn made war with the saints and... What does it say, Mary? Prevailed over them. Prevailed over them. Until, what happened? The Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given for the saints of the Most High, and the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. Dang, it seems like the saints are pretty passive in that text, don't it? Yeah. That there's going to be conflict between this entity and the saints. And for a time, the saints are going to be, quote-unquote, losing. Yeah. Like, that's, that's written. Yeah. Okay, I'm not saying don't fight back. I'm just saying peep what's written and understand that, like, God's the rescue here. It doesn't say until the saints figured out what political strategy to employ against the beast. Yeah. No, it's just when God came right. and delivered his people, which you see in the book of the Revelation there, too. Yeah. Um, and can I also say, uh, can we stop using parts of prophecy that are vague <laughs> to try to figure stuff out? Mm-hmm. Like, like we keep 
prophecy I'm not saying prophecy is easy to figure out but what I will say is we definitely make it more vague than the scripture intends it to be yeah partly I think because we take pride in being biblically illiterate mm. and Ooh, saying well and saying well okay well if I don't have much knowledge in the Bible then I guess what's supplementing my lack of knowledge is a greater and greater faith yeah and that just works for me and i don't want to read too much of the bible because you know i god knows i got faith and that's good enough and i mean last time i read romans it said faith came by hearing the word of god not by ignoring the word of god see but the thing is is that feigning ignorance on earth might quote unquote fool humans but the thing is is that on judgment day like you are going to be revealed for the fact that you were not ignorant in the matter you were just proven to be lazy yeah like especially if you lived in america like you yeah. had all the resources to read this stuff and study these things out you know i'm not saying that everyone's gotta you know have like a freaking phd in theology right. or nothing but right. like but i mean come on like those that are listening y'all know what i'm saying like yeah. you can know more than john three sixteen on a business card yeah okay like he gave you more than that and he yeah. gave you a whole church around you to help you work through it. Yeah. Like, it's, come on now. Come on now. Yeah. Um, and when you're looking through this stuff, right? Like, take Jesus as an example, right? Like, when the scripture said he'd be pierced, man, he'd be pierced. Yeah. Right? Which, it's not a figure of speech. Right. Which, which lets <laughs> it us, doesn't mean that he was just very sad. <laughs> right. Which lets us know when we're looking, when we're looking at prophecies about what yeah. the beastly nation is going to be. Yeah. It's probably going to be pretty literal to that, too, for the most part, at least. Like, look at this. In the end of chapter 7, from verse 23 down through to the end, you get some specifics on what this uh, on what this beast will look like, right? It shall devour the whole earth, right? It's, it says here, there shall be a fourth kingdom on earth which shall be different from all the kingdoms, right? Which tells us right there that the beast is a nation. You know what I'm saying? Like, people want to have, like, 50 million post-long threads on Facebook and burn the midnight oil, quote-unquote. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, skimming through Daniel 7, I figured it out. Yeah. Like, come on. Come on, dude. Like, stay away from your conspiracy YouTube videos. Pick up the scripture and see what's really good. Yeah. It shall devour the whole earth. All right. And this is what I mean by saying, like, staying faithful right because like every time there's like a new president that people don't like you want to say oh snap he's gonna bring in the beast and the mark of the beast mm -hmm. and you know all this stuff the was the beast world order. And, you know right like on this point if the beast is a nation and we see that pretty clearly in the text then the mark of the beast is really what meredith the mark of the nation nation right some of y'all just need to meditate on that for a minute right the mark of the beast isn't you know whatever the newest trend is for what the mark of the beast is it's the mark of the nation yeah. all right now ask yourself honestly yeah as i've asked people over the years dog like <clears throat> is it really fair to say that the covid vaccine <laughs> is the symbol of american culture right really 
really that the mark of the American nation is this vaccine mm. or Bill Gates mm. or heck, even the president. Regardless of what color, you know what <laughs> red saying? or blue. Yeah, like, like yeah. come on, man. Like, that's, that's not what that is. And, and we can get into more of that, you know, here in a minute. But it shall devour the whole earth. Is there any nation in the history of mankind that's ever devoured the whole earth? Like, all of it. Some have gotten close, you know. British that in, Empire that, got that in, close. That includes South America. I know we don't talk about that that much. <laughs> like, the whole earth. Yeah. No. No. Right? That's pretty clear. Um, verse 24. Out of this kingdom, ten kings shall rise. He shall be different from the former ones and shall put down three kings. That's pretty specific. Hmm. That's really specific. So we've got a nation that's going to take the whole earth and there will be ten kings that come out of it and then one of them's going to take down three of his brethren. That's really specific. Very. That hasn't happened yet. Mm. Interesting. Verse 25. He shall speak words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. Mm. That is a verse, by the way. <laughs> Like it's one wear thing to, out. That's one thing to trample, bro, to wear out the saints of the most high. Like I'm not like playing that one for laughs or nothing, but like come on. Yeah. Have we had a nation take over the whole earth and have infighting amongst ten of their kings that leads to seven left that is also busy wearing out the saints of the most high? Mm. That's pretty specific prophecy. Yeah. We haven't had that happen. Um and shall think to change the times and the law, and they shall be given into his hand. I don't know what that means. I'm not going to try to... I like sticking with prophecy that's easy to understand, guys. Mm -hmm. um, as long as you're talking and basic also stuff. Just teach what you know. Right. Don't act like you don't know. Right. I'm not even going to act like that, bro. But verse 27 ends it again. The kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints that are most high given my dude yeah the saints won't take it they will be rescued out of it yeah by god not by politics but by god not saying politics ain't important i'm just saying some of y'all act like mm -hmm. politics is gonna prevent the beast that's been prophesied right i thought god's word always came to pass yeah interesting you know or that once it's here, that's what's going to... Come on, man. Yeah. Like, that's, that's not the case, Like, what dude. would be your motive in wanting to delay or prevent the beast? You know, you know like, and, and again, I'm not saying this to try to encourage y'all to just slime and not really be obedient. Like, we're making the opposite case. Like, right. be obedient to the Lord. Like, right. I'm making the case, don't freak yourself out anymore than yeah. the situation calls for. Right. Like, don't tell yourself that the beast is here, that the beast is imminent, when that's not the case. Right. You know? Yeah. We're going we'll to get into some scary stuff here in a minute. Jumping over to Revelation 13. But, Mary, have you got any, any thoughts on this so far? No, I think I think you were right on it. Just like the... In reading this stuff, it's not, you know, to bash Americans, eh? Being an American's awful and, you know, being proud of where you come from to some degree is, is inherently a sin or, you know, all of these things. It's, it's more so a call to to sift through your heart and evaluate like where and why you're so devoted to those things and why there's such a itch in your ear for the sensationalized prof prophet 
prophetic books, excuse me, prophetic books in the Bible. Like, why is that such a, I don't want to say appealing, but maybe like fascinating. Yeah. Like it's a, a, it's a unhealthy fascination with the sensational, sensational this is a, this is an unhealthy fetishization mm-hmm. of theology. Yeah. I put the word theology even in air quotes. Yeah. Um, cause it, cause it's not that like stick, yeah. stick to the, stick to the scriptures, man. And like I said, I'm putting my finger directly on just nationalism. Like yeah. some of there's a, there's a lot of this is going to be jarring to some of y'all just cause it's like, it, it's removing it's kind of like when people learn that the earth wasn't the center of the universe mm. you know like the earth was never <laughs> the center of the universe just because yeah. you just learned it doesn't mean that the universe actually changed right. this is how the universe has always operated from day one yeah. you're just freaking out yeah. because your perception of reality is different than right the actuality right of reality and that's kind of what this is getting at right right like america was never that important in the divine plan and even right and even me saying that as well people will be like but but we've sent more missionaries around the planet than any nation ever and i'm like again i guess it just depends on your paradigm right like if the kingdom is a separate entity from every nation on earth how could any nation in the world ever do that right 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 and i think people that live in america have been created and you can say that you can say there's been a you, you might be able to say there's been a larger kingdom presence in America than in other nations of the past. Mm-hmm. That's a statement. You know what I'm saying? Like, we've had more, you know, kingdom holdouts here mm-hmm. than in a place like Rome or something like that. Like, right. okay, sure. But to say that, like, the nation itself is, I don't know, that's a weird statement. Right. That's a weird statement, man. Right. Um, especially when... Because I feel like what yeah. this is getting at is... You know, I think this is also just, uh, I guess, a call to see if your Christian nationalism is, like you said, kind of giving you a perception of reality that, you know, America is the kingdom of God. Because so often it's talked as if it is. Or that a party within it is. Yeah. You know? You know? Like, you know, it's, you know... Um, like we referenced before in another episode, just the the idea of, you know, you sing the um, national anthem along with your hymns <laughs> growing up in like a Christian private school or what, what have you, they kind of all start to sound like the same song, you know. In and that, we say that as a bit of a joke. Like I right. personally have never experienced that, but I, I know mean, places I, that yeah, do that. I, I kind of got a taste of that growing up to some degree. And, you know, I think retroactively like kind of going over you know my personal experiences and also just hearing the experiences of others and uh what have you especially living in the bible belt now right like you see that all over you know um you see like the awana programs in churches you have them do the pledge of allegiance to the american flag along with the christian flag along with the bible and it's like why wait wait a minute (laughs) why are we teaching that as as scripture you know the pledge of allegiance is not in the bible unless you know you're reading the we the people bible but here like what we were just like what we were just talking about in daniel like no which is interesting because daniel's whole context by the way like the context that daniel lived in that's what i think is interesting and somewhat to our shame we recognize so much that daniel 
Daniel's lived context is similar to our lived context, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what will fuel people to say, oh, we got to get prayer back in schools. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You just got to be, you got to be, you got to stand in faith like Daniel and these things will happen. And I'm like, hang on, hang on, <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on. You had the beginning of a solid theory, of a solid sermon until you ran it off the wrong exit into the water here. Dog. Yeah. Um, did that ever happen for Daniel? Right. When Daniel stood firm in Babylon, did that bring, quote unquote, prayer to the true God back I, to... I remember something about a, a furnace. Like, like, and people could say, well, you know, well, you know, the king, the king turned. And I'm like, oh, you mean, yeah, Nebuchadnezzar? Yeah, Nebuchadnezzar eventually acknowledged the living God. I don't know if it was a saving faith. I'd have to re-exegete that place in scripture. Um, but am I supposed to then take from that that, like, Babylon became a quote-unquote Christian, Christian nation? nation yeah. Even in the same sense that America today is. Because, like, it didn't. Right. Like, if you read the rest of the book, it, it clearly didn't. If Nebuchadnezzar, if Nebuchadnezzar <laughs> came to saving faith, none of his compatriots picked it up. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I was, was going to say, like, Babylon is very beastie. Yeah. You know, regardless of when you read about it in scripture. so Or just in a history book. In a history book, book yeah. Like, <laughs> like it's always a, very beastie, regardless of like the sanctifi- yeah, sanctifying like, moments throughout, you know. Yeah, if you're, if you're that righteous as a nation, then your righteousness should be in more books than just mine. Yeah. Like, right? Yeah, you think. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm just saying. But on, on that point, right, Revelation 13, um, you know, we see some stuff here, right? Um, I saw a beast rising out of the sea another place in Revelation. You can check me on this. Um, straight up tells us that the sea is a metaphor for the nations of the world, right? Because mm-hmm. the nations of the world work a lot like the waves of an ocean, right? Mm-hmm. They crash and they coalesce and they spread. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, so that's usually the metaphor, right? I saw a beast rising out of the sea means I saw a nation rising up out of the geopolitical muck of the world. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like some nation starting to take prominence. Ten horns. Oh, snap. Kings, maybe? Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Verse two, I saw a beast that was like a leopard. His feet were like a bear's, his mouth like a lion's mouth. Oh, snap. That's an amalgamation of... The first three and Daniel, this one's going to be like, in a way, it's going to have bits and pieces, probably of every nation that came before, but especially those three. Well, and to it, the dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority. The dragon being Satan. You can fact check me on that in chapter 12 of the Revelation. Um, But the dragon in Revelation is symbolic of Satan. Again, people that think Revelation is so anti-scientific don't understand Hebrew <laughs> meditation literature. Most of the things that you're saying, well, it couldn't actually be that. And I'm like, yeah, none of us said it was. It's just the symbol that he's using to make a whatever, man. Never mind. You don't even understand the gospel. So mm-hmm. we'll get to that, you know. But here's the interesting bit, right? Verse four. I mean, I could talk all day on verse three, but I won't. Verse four. And they worshiped the dragon. So the inhabitants of this nation worship the dragon. That's what scripture says. I don't care what they want to argue in the future about it. The scripture saying, no, they're worshiping Satan. Yeah. They're worshiping the dragon. But how are they doing that? Interesting. For he had given his authority to the beast. All right. And again, what is the beast? The nation. All right. So again, reading these words back into the text because that's what they are 
and they worshiped the dragon, for he had given his authority to the nation, and they worshiped the nation, saying, Who is like the nation, and who can fight against it? Right? This is really big stuff. Right? I'm not saying that if, I'm not saying that, you know, nationalists today can't be saved, because I think that that part only applies to the beast. Like, if you're worshiping the beast, you're, you're out of there. Yeah. You know? But if you're you know, doing dry rehearsals for that right. in the here and now, yeah. no, you can still repent, yeah. you know, but just understand the seriousness of what mm -hmm. nationalistic idolatry is. There is coming a time when God won't allow those that are guilty of that to come in even via the cross. Right. right. Like, like if that's how you read the text, then that's how serious that is. You know, we're not there yet, but like, why? Like, if you know that that's, god's heart towards it you know what i'm saying yeah like yeah. get that american flag out of the sanctuary bro yeah get get some of these you know nationalistic hymns out of your awana's book they should not be yeah. you know again not hating on america i'm just saying this is clearly the will of god here man like just yeah. looking at it right who is like the beast and who can fight against it they're not saying who is like satan i need to catch that the text is saying by this they're worshiping Satan because yeah. Satan gave all of his you know authority to this thing. But the people aren't like consciously aware. They're like, we don't know we're worshiping Satan. We're just saying our nation is the best and who can fight against it. Yeah, but when Satan co-signs your nation. Right. Then what? Then that just is what you're saying. Yeah. You know? And some other practicalities here, right? Just in, like in the here and now. If you want to tie in any way your nation to the kingdom of God, then that means that when people find issue with your nation... Hmm. What else are they going to find issue with? I mean, they're going to find issue with the kingdom too because you've tied them together, right? The same way how them worshiping the nation is worshiping Satan because Satan mm -hmm. tied the two together. Yep. When you tie Jesus' kingdom to anything in this world as far as nationalistic regimes, right? Mm. Then when people say, well, there's a problem with your kingdom, if I'm going to use America here, well, there's a problem with your kingdom because your kingdom allowed slavery. Mm. And you could say, well, that's not true because the Bible doesn't allow it. But like it kind of is because you hitch the two together. Right. If you preach them as separate, then yeah, that wouldn't be an issue. Right. The question might be, well, how do you explain that? Oh, we can talk all day about that. Actually, all sorts of passages in the New Testament that condemn slavery. Mm -hmm. I don't hear people saying now, but Ephesians doesn't condemn it. All right, we'll read some of Peter's letters. Because mm -hmm. you get a couple of verses in there where Paul's mm -hmm. like, yeah, no, enslavers don't inherit the kingdom of God. I don't know why we don't quote that, mm -hmm. but we don't. We see a verse here Who later. Peter? Yeah, we see a verse later on in the Revelation yeah. that says, yeah, you want to know one of the trademark of... You know, Babylon and these beastly nations, they trade in slaves, a.k.a. human souls. Mm. And God's, God has made them their enemy based on practices like that. Mm. So, again, show me where, sh show me where in the New Testament I ever taught slavery was okay. Mm. Show me that. You know what I'm saying? But, like, that's what we do, you know? Like, again, it's easier for me as an African-American Christian to not, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just live here. <laughs> like, like with the history my people have had here, it's very difficult for me to ever 
idolize this nation in a good way. Mm. But what I got to watch out for is idolatrous hatred of a nation. But that's a different episode. Mm. Um, but, like, as far as, like, I don't know, like, how could I ever start idolizing a place yeah. that not too long ago traded in human souls that look like me? Yeah. It's very difficult for me to fall down that path. But for, mm. you know, for my white brothers and sisters, I, I can understand how without that background to rem as a reminder like you all know one thing i'm thankful for slavery for don't get me in trouble off tip right <laughs> like wait 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 not let's let's add more to the sound bite you know, don't just quote like, that five seconds like one thing that's like kind of works though about it is that whenever i think about it it's like yeah this place is not my home yeah like i'm hoping in a better nation than the one that i came up in mm. like I, I just am mm. you know like, that verse in Hebrews, God's not ashamed to be called their God because they hope in a better country, in a better city that he will make for them, mm -hmm. right? That's really hard. That's a really difficult verse to apply to your life if your nation's cozy for you. It's really difficult to hope in a better nation when you got it all down here. And if you got it all down here, you're not really hoping in a better place then god's ashamed to call himself your god mm. i'm not really trying to throw shame us that's just the text yeah right he's unashamed to be the god of those that are hoping in him but he is ashamed to be mentioned in the same breath yeah as people that are cozy down mm. here man and maybe you'd be less cozy down here if you actually started building a foreign land here Mm. And then you'd actually experience the thorns and the thistles mm. spiritually of trying to grow stuff in a cursed world. Mm. And then maybe you'd hope in a better nation. Mm. Yeah, we have an episode about that coming up. You know, like, just maybe, yeah. just maybe. Your, yeah. your, some of your thoughts, though. No, I, I, I think that was great. But, like, I think, too, something that, you know, because we're, like I said, we're both military kids. This isn't, you know necessarily to bash America but I think that for me there's a special like motivation to kind of help wake people up to the subtle nationalism you know and I was listening to um, a podcast by Jenny Allen a couple months ago and um, she was interviewing a couple and um, they live in Afghanistan and they moved to the states and, you know, they were pastors and um, did the under, kind of like an underground church, per se, in Afghanistan. And, um, you know, just do a quick Google search on <laughs> Christians in Afghanistan. It is very, very uncomfortable. Um, and so they came back to the States because um, the husband was American. And, you know, he wanted to give a, their kids a better life. And... You know, she she said she was like in the deepest depression of her life in America and, you know, has been so confused. Like, why on earth? You know, we have all these things, you know, kids are doing good, things like that. But she goes, I want to go back to Afghanistan because in America, I'm listening to Satan's lullaby and I'm slowly falling asleep. And when I say that shook me to my core, because <laughs> um, it honestly kind of resonated with me for a bit because, you know, Kari and I, for a little bit of backstory for us, is we met, because we're both military kids, our dads were stationed in Okinawa, Japan for six years. That's where we met, um, became friends 
And um, for me personally, like that, I think, um, was like the deepest, um, or not the deepest, but I would say like the start of like my true Christian walk. Because I grew up in church, you know, I grew up going to Awana's and praying the sinner's prayer pretty much every opportunity because I wasn't sure if the last one was valid, you know. And so I did all of the reassuring uh, salvation prayers and stuff. But it wasn't until moving to Okinawa that I say I actually got the Holy Spirit and got saved. And it was away from all the distractions from America, right? And going on missions trips and being a part of, you know, leading in a youth group and doing all these things, right? And just completely disconnected from a lot of the American culture. And then I think moving back stateside, it's just been, it's so easy to be in a lull. It's so easy to come up with an excuse of not going to church or not building community or not witness, witnessing because you don't want to lose your job, even though we're, you know, the land of the free. So like, heaven forbid you talk about Jesus at work, you know, like even all though, of these things. Even though you have your religious liberties. Yeah, right. And freedom of speech and all that. You know, we're afraid we're going to lose our jobs for doing that. And um, I think it's just mind blowing just hearing that that just every once in a while just comes back to mind of, you know, whenever I've been spiritually lazy or lethargic like wake up yeah like like when i tell christians and this is not this is not cap right like i'll work maybe three or so days a week because you know ems healthcare, like 12 yeah. hour shifts so get yeah, yeah. 40 faster but like when i tell people like almost every day some weeks it's three of three days some days it's two of three days other days it's one of three but mm. you know most of the time a, a work week will not go by without me talking about the gospel or some outflow of it yeah. with a coworker and or a patient. Yeah. And some people will be like, oh well, my gosh. How like, do you still have a job? You're like super brave. And I'm like, it's all relative, dog. Yeah. Like if you live in, if you're used to a culture of cowards, mm. then somebody that looks like me that is mildly better might seem like crazy bravery mm -hmm. but like get back to the gospels get back to the words of paul see what bravery really is yeah look up some of the exploits of christian history see what bravery really is mm. all right i'm a chump compared to all of that mm. like if i'm brave to you there's something wrong with you because mm -hmm. no i'm not mm -hmm. <laughs> i'm not I'm recording a podcast from the safety of my apartment. <laughs> right. like, that you, we can delete anytime we you, feel heat. <laughs> what you mean, bravery, my dude? Like, like, come on, man. Yeah. Come on. You know? But kind of just want to lay on the plane. Um, in chapter 12 of the Revelation, verse 11. How do they conquer? Mm. How do we win? They have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony, for they loved their, for they loved not their lives even unto death. That is how you win. Mm. Not loving your life, even if it means death. Mm. Actual death or death of certain things that you love here in this life. That's how you win. Mm. By prioritizing Jesus to that extent. And you're practical in your day to day. And we're going to be talking about what that looks like on this podcast, especially over this first season. What's that look like uh, practically and mm -hmm. mentally, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, that's what it is, man. Yeah. Like, when you love your nation unto the point of death, we see what we've seen over the last couple of years. Right. Out of both 
political parties, really. Right. You know? Like, people think Democrats hate America. They don't hate America. They just don't like America as they see it. Yeah. Right? It's like their version of their vision of America is just different than yours. So they're also fighting for the nation in a way. Mm-hmm. You know? Like they're not they're not now sure, will some of their things lead to a destroyed nation? I'll let the pundits have that conversation. <laughs> but the fact still remains that in their hearts they're fighting for what's best. Yeah. You know? Just check yourself, make sure you don't wreck yourself. Yeah. Make sure you fight him by the word of your testimony, man. Hmm. By the word of your testimony and the blood of the lamb only. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's all we got for y'all today, man. Hey, man. We'll catch y'all. We'll catch y'all next time, man. Until then, I say like the people that inspired me, go serve your king. Yeah. <laughs>